Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to the Bleed in the Garden State podcast, presented by Bet Online. Now a word from our friends at Bet Online. We're back at better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on to start another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. That's NFL100. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to the show. It was an exciting weekend in college football. At Alex Touchone is here. At Ryan Cunningham is here. And we have a man joining us today who hails from Montclair High, former captain of the Scarlet Knights, current color commentator, Julian Pinnickside. JPO, what's going on, brother? Nothing much. I'm at Pinnick Sodrick, too, just in case y'all want that. Um, you know, let me get my follows up. I'm great, man. It's good to uh, it's good to chop it up with you guys again, man, over some Rutgers football, a W. I thought you were at Julian Pinnix. No, nope. Pinnix Sodrick. That's what it is. You know, well, then Julian's. <laughs> oh, wait. That, oh, that's your Instagram. Oh, that's your Instagram. Mm-hmm. Okay. Say, there's a this Penix out there that you've been tagging and all the heat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's your Twitter. All right, cool, cool. All right, man. Well, uh, dude, great to see you. Um, Ryan, great to have you back on the show. I know you missed last week, but all good. Um, let's get right into it, man. Um, first of all, this was your first road experience as the color commentator for Rutgers football. How was it, man? Oh, it was a great time. Uh yeah, it was a great time. I mean, you travel with the team, uh, you know, it was it was nostalgic. You know, we left from the hill. We did the uh, the whole TSA pat down at the hill thing. We took the buses as charter, and then we stayed in the hotel with the team. And so <clears throat> with so many people coming back with uh, Coach Yano's regime, it was really odd because it was coaches I knew, players I'd traveled on the road with before, new guys, kind of a system that I knew, but I wasn't beholden to any of the meetings or the rules. So it was dope. I mean, because of COVID, we didn't really get to see too much of Syracuse. Um, I'd seen it before, but it was dope, man. It was a it was a fun experience, and uh, you know, doing color with Chris Carlin <clears throat> and Eric Legrand and uh, Fooch and and Paul, those guys, it's it's great because they're extremely good at their job. So they ushered me in quite easily. Absolutely, and listening to you in the past when you've done home broadcasts, you are just perfect for this kind of stuff, media, radio. TV man, like you're super talented. So fantastic job, dude. No, I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. Try to be entertaining for the people, man. I just love Rutgers, man. So hopefully I'm doing it justice. You know, just going back more to the game, um, you know, Rutgers starting 2 0, you know, it just is really, really good for the fan base and everything. Um, you know, Syracuse being a former Big East opponent, I think is really, really interesting matchup because, you know, these te- two teams haven't played in a while. But I think more importantly, it's just really, really important for Rutgers to get off to a 2-0 start, carry that momentum to Delaware next week, and hopefully be 3-0 before we enter Big Ten play. So I think that even though that wasn't the most clean game, 
uh, you know, compared 61 points compared to 17 points from the week before against Temple. I think everything is really, really encouraging. Really, really glad that Coach Chiano is re- kind of writing the ship all immediately, you know, with every all the challenges with COVID and everything going on. I think that even though that it wasn't the most clean game, I think just seeing Rutgers take that step forward and look like a competent program is just so unbelievable to the fan base. And I just can't wait to see what, you know, the years and obviously the next couple of weeks have in store. Absolutely. And I think we talked about this um, the uh, last week. I think this game was huge for recruiting. I think when you look at Rutgers and Syracuse, they recruit the same kids that the Jersey area, the New York area, the Philadelphia area. So this was a big win, not just for Rutgers, but for the state of Rutgers. And I think these teams aren't going to play each other probably for a while with the way the ACC and the Big Ten are. So the last time you've seen Rutgers, last actually the last three column, uh, last three times Rutgers has played Syracuse, they've come out with the dub. So that's big for recruiting, big for Rutgers. Hopefully, ride the momentum uh, into Delaware this week. Um, so, what did you guys think about the way Rutgers won? I mean, like you said, Ryan, it wasn't pretty, but they found a way to win, and. I think when you look at the stats, with the exception of yards, I mean, yeah, when you with the eye test says it wasn't pretty when you watch the game, but with the exception of just the lack of total yards, I mean, the statistics say the Rutgers plays played pretty clean and pretty well. Yeah, um, you know, before I get I give JPO the you know because he was at the game, you and Alex were both at the game. I just think that you know being able to win in different ways just shows the growth of this team. So being able to score 61 points and win is awesome. Also having more of a slugfest, you know, the game was 0-0 at halftime. Going to the third quarter is a really, really tight game. And just having that, you know, that grit and that determination to pull out victories against another group of uh, Power 5 team, I think is just really, really important for the confidence of this team. And I don't know what you, what you, what your opinion is of the JPO, but I just think that it's just an incredible feeling for Rutgers to beat a former Big East rival as well. Yeah, no, 100%. I think, uh, yeah, you're spot on. And it's, it's interesting when we got back on the bus after the game and everybody was saying, you know, I remember specifically Coach Mike Tufo, uh, who we had as a strength coach uh, there at Rutgers. But he got back on the bus. He's like, yeah, man, that was a 60-minute chop. You know, and, and I think – and everybody was like, ah, oh, I don't know. How was that game to call? And, and to me, it was a great game, right? Now, if I didn't want Rutgers to win, you know, it was yeah, it would have been a better game because I'm like, yo, this is dope to me. It's a defensive battle, field position battle, a few big plays. We had a pump block. We had guys get knocked out of field goal position, a couple missed field goals. So if you're watching a game as a as a lay fan, you're just like, oh, this is this. – or if you're a football fan, you know, it's not a lot of points, but it's an exciting game. Um, but I would say, you know – a different way to win, Ryan, I think you're, you're spot on there because being able to put up points early in a game and playing from ahead is one thing, but being dead even uh, throughout the whole game and then having to kind of gut it out and uh, having an offense that's sputtering, I can tell you firsthand on defense, it is pretty, you know, uh, frustrating when you're, if you're making stops, you're getting turnovers and your offense can't score, you know, like that could be deflating. Right. And we saw that a little bit after Rutgers had scored and then, we, we saw Syracuse's first touchdown. I think it was like a 50-yard pass play, and then they were the defense was a little deflated, and then it was a run where uh, it was like a 14- or 15-yard run where guys just missed tackles because uh, they were a little deflated from the big play. So momentum is a big thing, and to be able to kind of weather that storm, I think it was a big step for this uh, football team. Um, but at the same time, I, it's just a, it's a ton to work on. I mean, even if we look at the 
you get 50 yards rushing, it's going to be really hard. You know, I think Syracuse can walk away from this game as a defense feeling pretty good about how they played. Um, you know, but Rutgers is opportunistic, and at the end of the day, it's a 60-minute game, and, uh, you know, they came out on top. But, I mean, it's a ton to improve, and I'm sure there's a lot of people in that building not very happy with everything they saw um, on film. But, you know, a win is a win. A win is a win is a win, baby. But uh, I, I would say, you know, when you watch the offense play, I mean, it was a lot of what we saw against Temple in terms of not really be, being able to sustain drives long term. I mean, the defense gave them great field position against Temple and they were able to do their job and punch it in. And they were you, you use this word with the defense opportunistic. I, I think that, you know. When you watch the film, the offense, I wouldn't say they've, I wouldn't say that Coach Gleason and, and the offense are satisfied, but I would use the word opportunistic as well. Like that when they got their opportunities, the, these first two weeks, they've punched it in, they've made the plays. I would, I would, I would, I would dare to disagree a little bit. Um, well, just because if we're looking at the numbers, right, if we're looking at third down efficiency, three for 15 on third down, it's really difficult to win games if you can't convert third downs, right? And, and, and third yeah. downs, you know, we're talking about sustaining drives. We're talking about time of possession, keeping your defense off the field. Now, Rutgers did win the time of possession battle. But we talk about uh, the momentum of your team when you talk about converting. Because, um, again, even in the Temple win, we saw you know, the first points of the game were a safety. Right. And then we talk about five turnovers, defense putting the offense in great field position. There was a point in the game where Rutgers had amazing field position because of a blocked punt, but got knocked out of it because of a sack. And I think at one point it was a missed field goal. So I think. You know, when you add all those different things up, I think, you know, opportunistic scoring. I think I, I, I appreciate the way Coach Sean Gleason um, spread the offense out a little bit more. We started seeing some pumps to the flat, double moves, trying to stretch the field a bit, um, because I think he has been extremely conservative with Noah Vedral. Um, and I think that kind of shows they're still trying to build the trust for him to sling it a little bit. Um, we saw Giovanni Haskins touchdowns down the seam was Noah throwing the ball down the field a bit. So he opened it up toward the end of the game, but I think the offense was extremely conservative. We saw them trying to feed Isaiah Pacheco. It didn't go probably as well as they planned. I mean, when you end the game with 50 rushing yards, um, that's one thing. But we must account that, you know, sack yards do count against your rushing yards in college. So they had a little bit more than that, but I think they like a, a stronger performance um, on the ground, which then opens up uh, what you can do in the air. I see what you're saying. I would, I would agree with everything. What I meant by opportunistic was like when Dino Babers got a penalty and gave us a first down or, or DeVito fumbles it in his own territory. Like they, they got points off that. So things like that, but I would, I would completely agree with that. Now here's the thing we've seen this team, you know, they're pretty, they're, you know, it's, you'd say that this is a defensive team and they're winning by turning the ball over against the other team, or excuse me, by getting the ball, by turning, making the other team turn the ball over and not turning the ball over themselves. I don't think Rutgers, I don't think Rutgers has turned the ball over yet in the first two games. Can they sustain playing this way? Um, I think that just in general, just football, just as we see it, I, I mean, you know, you're going to, you know, Delaware, we'll see what happens, but in a big 10 schedule, I just don't necessarily know how they could necessarily sustain it. They could, 
you know, if you look at just in general, teams have turnover luck. So maybe some years they turn the ball over less than other years and they get more turnovers than some years they get less turnovers. Maybe it could be one of those years where they get they get more turnovers and they, you know, commit less of them. But I think it's just tough to you know go through two games and not have any turnovers like they're going to be mistakes. Like as JPO was saying that, you know, no, no Vedral is kind of even though that I think he's been playing decently, there's still there seems to be almost like a like not a, they're, he's not like totally comfortable with the offense and they haven't necessarily been stretching the field. And then when you go to against tight games and against better teams, you're going to have to be able to stretch the field to get to take pressure off on to make, to make the defense, you know, feel more pressure about taking, you know, with long shots. So I think that just in necessity, sometimes those late game situations, you have to start throwing the ball down the field more. So I think it's kind of hard to not have as many to not kind of hard to not turn the ball over, but, you know, maybe that there's a sustainable level where they won't be able to turn the ball over. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're not putting, like, I, I also think that, you know, Coach Yano and Coach Gleason are doing a great job of not putting Vedral in any situations where he's going to do that. I mean, I would, I would venture to say that 60% or more of his passes were, you know, below five yards. And you know, really depending on a Crookshank, depending on a Bow Melton to kind of make plays with the balls in, with the ball in their hands, and and for good reason, right? Like, and I think when you play football like that, it's you know, it's hard to turn the ball over, um, you know. But at the same rate, you, to Ryan's point, when you get in a Big Ten play where your first and second downs probably going to be a little bit tougher, you're going to find yourself in these third and long situations where you're going to have to air the ball out, where you're going to have to depend on some of your speed, where the offensive lineman is going to have to block some really talented pass rushers. We're really going to see. I mean, when you talk about not turning the ball over, <clears throat> you're talking about a Rutgers defense who, you know, if you can sustain that type of play, shutting teams out in the first half, sure. But as offenses get better, teams get better, there's going to be times where this offense is going to have to respond. Um, and that's, you know, where we're going to really see and test the metal of this team. And I think when you talk about getting to better teams, um, it's going to be the small things. I mean, I was really, uh, you know, I was really uh, happy about, you know, the ability to block a kick this week. We saw week one, we had a rough in the kicker penalty, um, and then we got close to a couple of punts. You know, we know kind of as ball players on that punt team, it's really just a matter of inches, right? A matter of hand placement. Um, and I think the adjustments week over week there are going to be extremely important, right? Rutgers being known as a team that, you know, is going to excel on special teams. Because if you make, you know, the opposing team spend five or 10 more minutes in a period thinking about your special teams, well, now you've got a, a small victory. Um, and so Rutgers is going to need all those different advantages if they're going to try to make a run um, at some of these high-powered Big Ten teams. I think I think coming into the season, these Rutgers receivers and the depth at receiver was a big strength with all that experience with Crookshank, Bo Melton. And I would also say that, you know, running back depth was okay, but I think that um, with the emergence of Manungai, I think this this running back depth has gotten a lot better and Isaiah Pacheco, one of the better running backs they've had in the last couple of years. So I think this receiving core has to, you know, step it up a little bit and open things up for that running game. Usually you sit, you say, okay, it's the running run game has to set up the pass game. I think based off what we've seen, I think the pass game has to open up that run game a little bit more. 
I definitely think so. I think that also when we were just talking about, you know, the comfortability of Noah Vedral, like if you're not going to have a quarterback that's going to stretch the field, you know, receivers aren't going to be as, you know, effective, especially someone like Aaron Crookshank, who is a return specialist and is basically and is like a lightning bolt down the field. So I think that, you know, going back to the turnover thing, I think that, you know, trying to force the ball down the field and get maybe an interception or something isn't necessarily the worst thing, because as JPO was saying, by throwing the ball only five yards, like within the sticks, like the defense can, you know, crouch down and like is not and they know that you're not going to take the top off of them. So they're going to keep everything in front of them and then you're not going to be able to stretch the field. So. I think that, yes, they're definitely going to have to be a point where the pass is going to have to set up the run to get more people out of the box so Isaiah Pacheco can roll. But I think it's just going to be tough if we're not going to be stretching the ball down the field and actually taking chances. I will say I, I will say this. I am a little surprised we didn't have that much success throwing the ball and yards after the catch and things like that because those Syracuse defensive backs were playing really off the ball. Yeah, they were, and they were, a they were a talented group. I mean, look, at the end of the day, you know, football, you know, and as Coach Pantagos always just say, you know, football is easy. Football is simple. You know, coaches and players make it difficult. And I think, you know, football is all about punch, counterpunch, right? Like, you know, if, if I'm going to have a strong running game, you know, now I get to, you know, now they're going to fill the box and now I can stretch the ball downfield. You know, if I can stretch the ball downfield and have guys that could take a top off the defense, right? If we're referring to NFL, like if I have a Tyreek Hill on the outside, right? And I could just send him on a go every play, right? You have to respect it. Um, the, the fact of the matter is defenses are going to dare Noah Vegetable to throw. You know, because at the end of the day, you know, Cociano has been extremely open about uh, the offensive line and, and still needing work and still being a work in progress. If your offensive line is going to be a work in progress and you can't pound the ball, you know, teams are going to threaten it. And they're going to dare you to run. They're going to dare you to throw the ball and they're going to trust that they can stop you in the run. And so I think it's a little bit hard to lead with the passing game. Um, you know, what we did start to see a little bit more is a play action game. Right. But again, you need a solid running game to uh, to to really affect teams in a play action. But I think getting Noah Vedro outside of the pocket, I think uh, get him get him outside of the pocket, get him comfortable, letting him threaten the line of scrimmage with a run. That's going to get some of these defenders up. Right. So you get a little bit more over the top. And, you know, I think quite frankly, the coaching staff is going to have to trust him to do what quarterbacks do. Um, we know this Rutgers team can get creative in regards to how they use Johnny Langan as a quarterback, as a, as a H back, as a, uh, you know, so I think they're going to start getting creative outside of the red zone, which is where they're mainly using those special packages, but you know, something's going to have to get going. And I think this week coming up Delaware will be a great opportunity to do it. Now I'm not saying sleep on Delaware, but I'm also saying here's an opportunity to kind of test some different trinkets you have in your offensive playbook. Um, to really get primed for your Big Ten schedule. Well, that's what the non-conference schedule is for, right? No matter who you play. So I think when you look at this Delaware game, it's going to be a tough game. Um, Coach Yano talked about this today in his press conference, which is a really interesting point. You've seen a lot of FCS teams upset FBS teams this year. Is the spring season they had an advantage going against an FBS team not to be not just because they've played more football in the last you know six months, but because you don't know what film to watch when you're preparing. You do you watch the first two weeks or do you watch the you know eight to ten games they played in the spring? You know that's that's hard on a coaching staff. I mean, I think it's very I think it's very hard for a coaching staff, but also I think that. You know, I, I feel like with the spring season, those FCS teams, they have they know who they are. Right. 
So that season just kind of ended only a couple months for them. So I think they have a better idea of who they are than some of these FBS teams who are still trying to figure it out. Um, you know, if you just look at the, the, the you know, of the you know, landscape of college football, you know, the Pac-12 had a shortened season, the Big Ten had a shortened season. So even though they still played games, they were almost like scrambling to have a season where these FCS teams were basically pushing their seasons to the spring, preparing for a spring season, and now they're back in the fall. So I think that, you know, I think it's also FCS is probably, there's more talent there um, than there used to be. So I think it's a combination of them knowing who they are, knowing what their identity is, and then, you know, them just being able to, you know, just repeat what they did and made them successful last spring season, which is like Delaware, who made the semifinals of the FCS championship. So I think it's a combination of those things. And I think that's why you're seeing FCS teams compete and beat FBS teams this season. Also a transfer portal, right? It's a great point. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna be yeah, that's gonna be really interesting. Maybe they were just excited to play. I mean, even you saw uh, Nick Saban uh, making comments about you know him not being happy with how his team played and whether it was they slept on the team or they had been listening to the media or, or whatever it is. And maybe I think you're on to something in regards to these FCS teams upsetting different different guys and, and maybe teams are sleeping on them and maybe it is an advantage right now. Normally and naturally as a football player, you're like, well, if you play more games in a shortened period of time, your body's probably real beat up. But, you know, to your point, Ryan, it's like you only had a couple months off that month. Um, those couple months almost served as a, as a solid all season. And maybe you're a little bit more fresh uh, <laughs> than guys coming in there. It's like, wow, we just finished the season. You know what? We're going to take these couple of months to get our bodies right, get our minds right. And now we're coming because it's not a normal off season, right? It can't be a normal training camp. It's like, bro, we just had a season. Right. And so now you're almost coming back up. These guys are geared up and ready to go. Um, and I'm really interested to see. I look, you know, Delaware, don't sleep on them. But at the end of the day. You know, when you're talking about big time programs and being a big time program, a team like Delaware should not be able to come in here um, and beat you or give you a threat. Um, and, you know, we'll see how they respond. I mean, you have to, you know, Coach Rossi always used to say, you know, uh, you know, rise to the level of your don't fall to the level, level of your opponent, rise to the level of your training. All right. So, you know, this is going to be about playing the Rutgers way, them shopping, coming out and doing what they know they're going to do against a less talented team. Um, and coming away with a W, a decisive W at that. So I look at it this way in terms of the uh, the FCS stuff. I'm going to actually have their their schedule here right now. Um, so Delaware, they only really played, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. They only, really play, they only played eight games. So I do see it as an advantage. We're going to find out a lot about the maturity of this football team this week. You know, I think that's where kind of the, the culture of what Coach Chiano brings to this Rutgers team. I mean, a lot of people talk about Coach Chiano. Um, a lot of people talk about culture in the chat. But, you know, when you see it up close, it really is uh, different. And, you know, when I speak to everybody in the building, speaking to guys that I used to play with, speaking to, you know, some of the coaches and even support, the uh, support staff, you talk about the academic staff, the equipment guys, the training room, they talk about the culture. Like the, when I first went back, they're just like, yo, it's, it's just so different. Um, when you talk about everybody kind of buying in, when you talk about, you know, holding guys accountable, when you walk around that hotel room or when you walk around that program, Coach Chiano is there. Like he's everywhere watching. And it's not to say he's an eagle eye, you know, watching out for people, but he cares. Right. And he has his eyes on the program. And there's nothing you can do around that program that someone doesn't have an eye on and is not looking out for. So I think when you have a bunch of people that believe 
and what's going on and what the leadership is talking about, you know, you will have less of these blunders on these types of games, right? Like there'll be like, I think it, like kind of what you mentioned in Cociano's press conference, there's going to be a keen emphasis on making sure that people aren't overlooking this. But to your point, the players got to play, the coaches are going to coach and Cociano can't be on the field with the guys. I think this is a pretty mature team. Um, I think, you know, they'll be looking and licking their chops to really, you know, let loose and let the dogs out against the Delaware team. And I think when you look at the biggest differences between FCS teams and FBS teams, you always say it's up front on the O-line and D-line. And I think this week is a great week for this O-line to really form together and uh, find some cohesiveness going into the Big Ten schedule. And we know that the Rutgers D-line is going to get after it. Um, you know, they've been getting better and better week over week as they continue to pull out, pull more tools out of their toolbox um, and, and, and show the ability to rush the passer with just four up front. Absolutely. And what I really like about this Rutgers team since Coach Giano's taken over, and, and I think we're going to see a lot of this going forward because we saw a lot of this last year. Um, it's always a different story every game when they win. Like last year, it was same Last year, it was a lot of the same stuff we're seeing now with the defense putting the offense in really good situations. But then there were games where that defense did not have their best football and the offense picked them up and or the special teams picked them up. So we just hopefully, you know, as this season goes on, we're going to see a lot more of that complimentary football. And, you know, what? maybe this week it's we're seeing Noah Vedral in the offense pick up the defense that struggles. And maybe the week after that, it's Aaron Crookshank and the special teams. And by the way, special teams wise, we got to give uh, Adam Corsack some props, man. I mean, that guy is a weapon. I've never seen anything like it. That guy flips the field. I mean, I'm pretty, you know, Rutgers was, I'm pretty sure we were inside our own 20 a couple of times and Corsack pins them in Syracuse territory, deep in Syracuse territory. I mean, that guy is, he's unbelievable. Well, again, and I think that's another thing that would, would take some heat off your offense, right? If you can't move the ball, but you have a punter like Corsack who can flip the field at will, you know, that definitely, you know, takes a little bit of heat off you. And if you don't have Corsack, you wonder about that field position battle and how much, you know, more eager is this offense to really get going and start building some explosive big plays. Um, but Corsack can do it, you know, Big Ten, Big Ten uh, special teams player of the, of the week, um, right after being the national punter, Ray Guy award winner of the week. Um, and so that guy is an absolute cannon, and he's an extreme asset uh, to this Rutgers football team, especially as his offense really finds its identity. Ryan, you got any final thoughts? No, I think that, you know, obviously Adam Corsak is, a, is, you know, is an incredible weapon, and I agree with everything you just said. And, you know, just going back to more so about the defense, like, you know, depending on – no matter who you play, only giving up 21 points in two games in such an offensive game that football is now is really, really impressive. So I think that, you know, the confidence that the defense should have in this in the next couple of weeks should be massive because they're playing – they're doing their job. They're playing really, really well. And as long as they keep that momentum, I think that Rutgers will have a really successful season and we'll see what happens in the Big Ten schedule. But, you know, growing on from these victories is is a program booster. And I just think that can only go up from here. All righty. Julian, can't thank you enough for joining us. Uh, stick around. Uh, stick around for uh, after uh, if you want to chat and looking forward to uh, listening to you call uh, the color this weekend. Yeah, appreciate it, man. I'll stick around for the after party. Yes, sir. For sure. Hey, you made it to the end, or I'm just talking to myself and Ryan. You stay classy, Piscataway.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.